You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our heart be pleasing and acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Good morning. My name is Tish, in case any of you don't know me, and I'm a priest here at Resurrection. We're so grateful that you're here, and that you're with us on this fourth week of Easter. Do you know there's 50 days in Easter? We have weeks of it. That's one of my favorite things about being an Anglican. We, well, the party doesn't stop here. We just keep going. So, um... This morning, we're going to continue our series on all things new. Um, That's what we've been talking about, how Jesus makes all things new. And we're sort of looking at where that's all pointing to, where that newness leads, and um, the telos of that. Telos is a big word to mean the end. And we're looking at the telos of where this work of Jesus and his cross and resurrection leads. And we're talking this morning specifically about worth and about, really, if I had to name this, I I would name it looking at true reality. Our culture, in some ways, seems obsessed with worth. We are obsessed with how um, our net worth, our bank accounts, um, maybe it's prestige, maybe it's likes on Facebook, maybe it's how famous we are in our little self-constructed realities. But in many ways, we're, we're obsessed with, with the concept of worth, other people's worth, our worth, comparing those, um, gaining worth, and self-worth. What, what are we worth? How do we know that? I googled uh, the phrase, you're worth it, and there was like, it was like 500,000 hits came up. And one of them, I don't know, Uh, Some of you guys may recognize L'Oreal Paris, or maybe it's Paris, I don't know. Fancy skincare and and perfume, women might know about it, or not, I didn't know about it, but (laughs) that's unsurprising. Um, And and there are phrases, because you're worth it. Buy our expensive skincare because you're worth it. But there was also a steak dinner because you're worth it. And there was even quite a few Christian devotionals that said, you're worth it, meaning Jesus died for you because you're worth it. And there is a sense where that's, that's true, that we do, we do find our worth in the reality that we are made in God's image and that God loves us and that Jesus died for us. And that's true, and yet I worry that in this culture of me, where it's focused on myself and my worth, we can make the cross another product. Instead of it being about God's glory and God's worship and God's redemption, we can make it where I'm worth skincare and I'm worth a steak dinner and I'm worth salvation. <clears throat> when I lived in Nashville, one Christmas, I was walking around the mall, and there was a bath store. Um, 
you know, a fancy bath store. And outside there was a little sign to the shoppers that said, oh, come let us adore you. <laughs> That's the right response. <laughs> um, there's this sense that all of, all of reality is focused around me. It's focused around who, what I've achieved or what I'm trying to achieve or what I failed to achieve. It's around what I'm worth. But there's this part of us, there's this moment, I think inescapably as humans, where we are drawn to something more than us. We want to be involved in something bigger than us, even that's worth more than us. We are made deep in our bones to be worshipers. The word worship comes from an old English word um, that I cannot pronounce because I cannot pronounce old English. Um, but literally, it's worth-ship. It means, um, worship is literally means an acknowledgement of worth. We are acknowledging the worth of another. The most clear time I've seen this um, in, in our culture in a secular sense is in um, 2002 when I went to a U2 concert. It was the All You Can't Leave Behind tour and it was amazing. And um, I, my friends and I drove two hours there and we, we went in and you know it's this giant, giant auditorium full of people and the lights go down before U2 comes and the place goes crazy, crazy. And Bono walks out on the stage and they lose their minds and everyone's, they put their hands up, like we do in church, you know, just worshiping, reaching for Bono. And he goes out and he starts singing and he, he chooses this woman, blessed woman, from... <laughs> From the first, from the front rows, and he pulls her up on stage, and he starts slow dancing with her as she's singing, and the woman lays her head on Bono's chest, and she just starts sobbing. She just starts uncontrollably crying, and um, there, that's this moment where she wasn't, she wasn't contemplating her self-worth at that moment. She wasn't thinking about herself at all. She wasn't thinking about any of us. She was caught up in this moment of the glory of Bono. <laughs> and, and this morning what we're looking at in Revelation is this crazy scene of worship that is going to make that moment with Bono pale in comparison. John sees this vision of heaven, and, and, it, and it is heaven, but I, I don't, what I don't want is for you to think about that John is seeing a vision of something that's happening way up in the sky somewhere, some different time and place. What John is seeing, this is what he's seeing. He is seeing reality. John is looking at what is most real. And in this vision of the place that is most real, the elders tell him to look at a lion. This is a little bit before the passage we read this morning. They tell him to look at the lion of Judah, and he turns and he sees a lamb. 
But it's not any lamb. It's a lamb that appears to have been slain, but is yet still powerful and alive and in authority. The lion is a lamb. They tell him to look at a lion, and he sees a lamb. A lamb who, as one commentator said, did not conquer by force, but by death. He didn't conquer by violence, but by martyrdom. He is a lamb, a symbol of sacrifice from the Old Testament. But he's now on a throne, and he's triumphant. So in case any of us are new to this whole Christianity thing, which we're glad you're here and we welcome you, let's just spell this out. Who is the lamb? Who is it? Jesus. Jesus is the lamb. We're talking about Jesus. And this isn't in our passage today, but I want you to hear what is read about this lamb right before our passage begins. Because... Um, because what's read is what causes this crazy worship scene. And this is what is read. I'm just, this is from the scriptures. John here's read, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on earth. So there's a lot there, a sermon in itself, but I want you to key in to it said, you ransomed people for God, and you made a kingdom of priests. This lamb ransomed us. So we aren't just looking on the scene as people looking through a window. We're not left out of the throne room. We're not voyeurs looking in. We are brought into knowing this lamb. That is a great mystery. But we know this lamb. Then after this gospel, this good news is proclaimed, John hears these creatures that represent all of creation. And these elders and this enormous throng of angels. It says myriads and myriads, which is the biggest number that was known in Greek. It just means tons and tons and tons and tons. Um, and he hears this inconceivably loud roar of angels. And what are they yelling? They're yelling, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Worthy of power, worthy of wealth, worthy of wisdom and honor and glory. And then all of creation, every creature on earth, under the earth, in the sea, in the sky, is caught up in this they're caught up in this moment. And they start yelling to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, Jesus, be honor and glory and blessing and might. And the elders say amen, and they fall on their faces, and they worship. John is making a claim and telling us about this. He's telling us that this is true reality. This is where all of history, this is where everything in our life, this is where all our choices and decisions and breath and bodies are pointing to. This vision he describes is either complete hogwash, and we should go home, 
or it's the central truth reality. It's one or the other. And we can get so caught up, I can get so caught up in our, in our small realities, obsessed with ourselves, with our self-worth, with our day. But right now, this is what I want you to pay attention to. Right now, in this moment, Sunday morning, this lamb is enthroned and being worshipped by myriads of angels. And if we could have ears to hear and eyes to see the dimension of truest reality right now, we'd see that the air around us reverberates with this message, worthy is the lamb, worthy is the lamb. And we are caught up into this truest true of reality. And so far, far more intimate than Bono, pulling a woman on stage, as awesome as that is, we, we are known by this lamb and we're called the bride of Christ. The church is the bride, the chosen one. And we are invited into this worship. The vis this vision that John is telling us about is the climax of all of history. This is where everything is pointing to and this is what we're headed towards, each one of us. The climax of creation of the whole story of scripture, of the whole story of the world and tides and currents and glaciers and planets is headed towards worship. That the lamb is worthy and your voice is going to be part of that throng. So what is God's destiny for the world? Where, what, is, what did he make it for? What's it headed towards? Ecstatic worship of the Lamb. We don't have to make this a reality through some kind of church strategy or growth strategy. We don't have to make this a reality by a political election and getting our guy or our lady elected. We don't have to make this a reality by getting to a particular emotional place in worship or ardency of our belief. We, this is reality. The lamb is being worshiped and we are invited into that reality. Your bank account does not define true reality. Your success or failure is not what's ultimately true. Your marital status, how good of a parent you are, how good, how good looking you are, that's not what defines reality. Your experience and struggles and joys are not the center of the world or even of your worth. The truest reality of the universe is utter and total and complete worship of the Lamb. And here this morning, we are practicing living in reality. That's what we do in church. We practice living in reality. The table this morning proclaims worthy is the lamb. Do you know on our chalice, I just found this out 30 seconds before I started preaching. Um, we have the, there on it is the four living creatures from this passage. 
to remind us that when we're taking place of this, all of creation is worshiping the Lamb. When we sing this morning, we're practicing saying worthy is the Lamb. When we send you out, when we bless you and you receive benediction and we send you, we're sending you out to live in light of reality that the Lamb is worthy. Our week, our, this week and everything it contains, our work is not to build our net worth. It's because of the reality that the Lamb is worthy. We work out of that reality. The relationships in our life with their beauty and with their brokenness and with their struggle are not about us or our self-esteem, but they're centered around the lamb that is worthy. The pleasures that you have this week are not because L'Oreal Paris thinks you're worth it. It's because the lamb is worthy to receive glory. And your suffering is not an obstacle to be avoided, but it's going to be redeemed to be part of the scene of worship, <clears throat> to point to the reality that the Lamb is worthy. This week, our little small realities are caught up in this big reality, this scene of worship, of ascribing worth to the Lamb. That's what we are made for. That's what we are calling you into this morning. But here's even more amazing news. Whether we do it or not, whether we worship or not or fail this week, his worship is still where all of our lives and our history and our creation is headed because it is Christ that has purchased that worship in his death and resurrection, and he is declared worship. This is the truest truth of reality, that at the end of all things, Jesus will stand, and he will be worshiped. And even now, that reality is happening, is coming to full bloom, that the Lamb is worthy. Amen. You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.